I was raised in a particular religious heritage that had as its stated goal the restoration of the practices of the early church. And it was a well-intended goal. But I quickly learned uh, that such attempts tend to be plagued by consistent inconsistency. Because we never could seem to agree on which particular practices of the early church to restore and which ones to totally ignore. And one of the ones we chose to ignore wasn't an example of the early church or an inference. It was a clear command that when Christians gather and see other Christians... They are to greet them with a holy kiss. And we had no idea what to do with that. It's like the story I heard of the young Bible major going off to college. And he wants to have his life guided by scripture. He wants chapter and verse to authorize anything he does. Well, soon he meets a young girl that he finds attractive and he asks her out. And they go on a date. And he takes her back to the dorm and they're on the porch and he looks longingly into her eyes. He desperately wants to give her a kiss, but he can't find a scripture to authorize such an end to a date. So he shakes her hand and he takes her out the next week and he does the same thing. And he's searching the scripture looking for authority to kiss the girl. He thinks he finds it in Romans 16, 16, kiss one another with a holy kiss. But his Bible teacher says that has nothing to do with dating. And so this goes on week after week until finally he takes her back one week after the date. They're on the porch at the dorm. He puts out his hand to shake it. And she pushes him up against the wall, plants a kiss on him so deep and long that he comes up gasping for air, shouting, chapter and verse, chapter and verse. She says, Matthew seven twelve, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. <laughs> you see, this command. And it is a command in Scripture to the early church was given by two different leading apostles. The apostle Paul uses the phrase three times in Romans 16, 1 Corinthians 16, and 2 Corinthians 13. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. He changes the wording just a little in 1 Thessalonians 5, 26. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. And then Peter gets in on the admonition in 1 Peter 5, 14, greet one another with a kiss of love. You see, the first Christians made a big deal out of greeting other Christians. So why don't we? Now, you might say, well, the holy kiss was a cultural practice. It was a cultural expression. We would need to find the cultural equivalent. Okay, what is it? Because the principle is universal that Christians are to take seriously the way they welcome their brothers and sisters. That growing in anothering means welcoming the opportunity to welcome. And we are trying to grow in anothering because Jesus told us The way we will impact the world is if we another better than anyone else. 
And so we welcome the chance to welcome, or to put it another way, another's welcome any chance they get to kiss the bride. Because they don't view greeting as a break in the worship. They view greeting as an act of worship. Now, the first time I ever really understood this, I was a very young preacher, and I was for the first time in my life out of the country. I was in a country called Chile, and I was there with some missionaries visiting Christians there. We arrived in the middle of the week, and the local Christians learned we had arrived. And so even though it wasn't a night they usually met, the word got out to all gather and have a worship service and welcome their guests. So the word was to arrive at 7 o'clock. So being Americans, we were there a few minutes before 7, and there were just two or three other people there. Because one thing I learned in Latin culture is that doesn't mean that's when everyone gets there. That means when the very first people get there. So there were just a few of us there, and they started walking toward me, and that's when I realized I'm about to get kissed. Because in that culture, the women greet with a kiss on the cheek the other women, and the brothers and the sisters greet with a kiss. Now, the brothers don't greet the brothers with a kiss, and I was very thankful for that. But I got kissed more in a few seconds than I had been kissed in a long time. And we sang a song. And while we were singing a song, another family walked in. So guess what happened? After the song was over, we all stood up and we got in a line so that we could kiss them. And then we would sit down and sing another song and more folks would walk in. And then we would stop and we would kiss them. And it never dawned on them that they were breaking the worship to greet people. Because they thought the greeting of people was part of worship. They could not fathom that you are so busy working your worship program that you wouldn't stop to recognize some other brothers and sisters had joined you. So it took about an hour to sing and kiss and sing and kiss and sing and kiss and sing and kiss. And then a brother got up to encourage us and he preached for about an hour and no one was looking at their watch. And then there was a brother from Peru no one had ever met, but some leading brother said, well, tell us about the saints in Peru. So he stood up for about 30 minutes and encouraged And then another brother stood up and exhorted the saints. And then they looked back at me on the back row and said to one of the missionaries, did you say he was a preacher? Now, I created confusion because I took enough Spanish in high school to be dangerous. The Spanish word for preacher is predicador and the Spanish word for sinner is pecador. And all night I had introduced myself as a sinner from Texas. (laughs) So when they found out I also preached, they said, well, when will he ever be here again? Ask him to bring us a word. So on the cuff, I have to preach, and they have to translate, so that takes a while, and you can see them out there nodding their heads, thinking, he's not bad for a sinner. And when all that's over, what do you do in Chile when you're finally dismissed? You get in line so that you can kiss every single person goodbye before they leave. It was a four-hour impromptu worship service in a land I'd never been, with people I never knew, in a language I couldn't speak. And I think I felt more welcome than almost any place I'd ever worshipped. Because they understand that greeting is important because it communicates worth. No insignificant person has ever attended a church. But a lot of people have been made to feel that way. And you have. You know what it's like to go 
to a church and wonder if anyone even cares that you are there. In fact, research indicates a person that visits a church decides in the first 12 minutes if they will come back. They haven't heard the pastor yet. They haven't made up their mind about the music. But they've already concluded, does anyone here care that I'm here? And by the way, the research is interesting. It doesn't seem to have anything to do with the size of the church. A little church can be just as cold and unfriendly as a big church. It has nothing to do with the size of the room and everything to do with the size of the hearts of the people that are in the room. You see, anotherers think greeting is significant because they think people are significant. Greeting is something they do because of something they are. They are followers of the one who said, love one another. And so I hope that you want to be a greater greeter. And I'm going to read a text to you. It's the end of the book of Romans. You might think at first, why would the Holy Spirit include this? What a waste of space. But in fact, there's power in these words as we gain insight into what God wants the church to be. So start reading with me. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Sincrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you. For she's been a great help to many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junius, my relatives, who've been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our worker in Christ, and my dear friend Statius. Greet Apelles, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegian, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Do you get the impression that Paul thinks greeting is important? And here's how you can be a greater greeter. First, we must understand that welcoming others means people are personally addressed. In 16 verses, Paul mentions 27 people by name. He also includes 17 personal references or titles. Outstanding among the apostles. My dear friend, she's been a mother to me too. See, Paul knew these people. 
And this is a church he hasn't even been to yet. You can't know God if you don't want to get to know people. See, another is believe all Christians should be strangers in the world, but no Christian should be a stranger in the church. I saw an example of this when I read about Jim Baker. He was a televangelist that was convicted and sent to prison for about six years for a financial scandal. He defrauded people through his television program. He, by his own admission, brought shame not just to his name, but to the name of Jesus. And when he did, most of the Christian world just completely avoided him. But one family didn't. The Billy Graham family. They came to see him in prison. When he got out of prison, they made sure he had a place to stay and a car to drive. The first Sunday out of prison, they came by the halfway house to pick him up to take him to church. And there he is sitting in church, 07407-058, next to Ruth Graham. Because he wasn't a number to Ruth. He was a brother. He had a name. He said, they took me to their house for lunch after church. And she asked me for my address and I pulled out a envelope from my pocket and she said where's your wallet she said well this is my wallet in prison we're not allowed to have regular wallets she got up from the table she went into the bedroom she came back said here have billy's he doesn't need it (laughs) and he found out that there was a place where he was a name i think sometimes we underestimate how powerfully The Holy Spirit can use just a few moments when you intentionally communicate worth to another person. So I got a letter a couple of years ago from a guy. He listens to us on the internet. He lives several states away. He drove many hours to be here one weekend. He wrote and said, I was greeted with smiles when I came into the building. A greeter in the sanctuary welcomed me and the couple seated in the pew in front of me made a real effort to reach out to me. I've only attended one service at the hills and already I feel like a part of your family. And he included a check for our Greater Things campaign. And here's what that couple that was so nice didn't know. That a few weeks earlier his wife had left him. He came here a very broken person because he desperately needed to know, is there a place I can call home that I will never lose? And someone gave him a cup of cold water and Jesus says, because they did, I will reward them. And the thing is, they didn't even think they were doing something special because I bet that's what they do every week because they another. And when you welcome anybody in the body of Christ, you welcome Jesus. And when you learn their name, you give honor to the name of Jesus. This is not a break in the worship. This is worship. 
people are personally addressed. The second thing to be good greeters means differences aren't stressed. And you may not have noticed it, but there was stunning diversity in that list for a first century community. For example, 10 of those names are women at a time when women were hardly ever named. There was racial diversity, Jew and Gentile together, and that just never happened. There was socioeconomic and status diversity. Some of these Christians were wealthy enough to have homes big enough that the church could meet. Some were slaves and some had just gotten out of jail. And yet 10 times in those verses, if you go back and check, Paul uses a phrase, in Christ, in the Lord, in the Lord, in Christ. Paul's focus is not on their diversity. His focus is on their oneness in Jesus. It's the devil who tries to get us when we gather to focus on how different some people are from me. And so I remember when I was in high school, the little church in which I was raised had a pretty active youth group. Our minister's daughter started to date a boy at that time who didn't know a thing about God. He played in a rock band. He had the look that you had back then if you played in rock bands, big bell-bottom pants and ruffled shirts and real long hair. But he loved a group that so authentically loved. He would come to our devos. He was learning the ways of God. And then one night at our church, he's at a water fountain bending over to get something to drink. And some older man gets behind him and says in a voice intending for him to hear it. Well, I wonder if it's a boy or a girl underneath all that hair. And he stood up and he walked down the hall and out to his car. And he never came back. You see, what's different about another verse is that they're not hung up about differences. They care about others because Christ in others is all they care about. And so let me ask you, do you ever intentionally, when you're in a gathering like this, look for somebody who is obviously very different from you. Let me remind you that when God created you, he took a good look at you and said, that's all of that person I need. I don't need anyone else just like them. God thought one of you was enough. So why does anyone need to be just like you before you love them? Jesus. You see, anothering takes love to a different place because anotherers are willing to love people in different places. And that's what it means. One more thing. It means love is tangibly expressed. Because you don't welcome people with a mat. You don't even welcome people with a card. You welcome people with a kiss. You find some tangible way to communicate worth and affection. Let me give you one very practical way that everyone here is capable of. Paul mentions it earlier in the same book, chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly 
affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And did you notice how Paul followed his own advice? Tested and approved among the apostles. Outstanding. Worked very hard in the Lord. Been a great help to me. See what he's doing? He's verbally kissing these people by showing honor. He never missed a chance to build somebody up. He would not have understood a culture that waited until someone is dead before you send them flowers. He would say, why don't you send them while they still can enjoy them? And so, I want you to ask God to give you increased insight in how you can intentionally communicate worth to other Christians. And you know what? You might want to start with your own family. Some years ago, I heard one of America's best-known ministers tell an amazing story. This was before the days of email and texting. He got a letter from his father-in-law, who was a widower. Always been very active in a church in a big city in Texas. And in the letter, to his surprise, his father-in-law said, I just wanted you to know from me, I've stopped attending my church Now I go instead to AA meetings. And the minister's first thought was, AA meetings? I had no idea he had a problem with alcohol. But the letter went on to explain, don't jump to conclusions. I don't have a problem with alcohol. I don't even drink. But I go there because I always feel so wanted when I go there. I just needed to find a place where I felt welcome again. Now here's my guess. My guess is that church where he went for years loved that old man. They just never told him. They would see him sitting on the pew where he always sat at the back. They'd always smile when they saw him. And they looked back one week and he wasn't there and no one really knew how long it had been since he'd been there. Because they cared They just didn't care enough to say so. But anotherers do. And I'm about to give you that chance. Because we are in a war. And it's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do in just a few minutes when somebody greets a fellow soldier. So would you stand please? And I'm about to release you for a time of greeting. Now if you want, you can talk about the cowboys or the weather. But here's what's going to happen somewhere in this room. A miracle is going to take place. And somebody is going to receive in just a few moments a word and a hug and an expression of love that's going to change their day And their whole week. And remember, when you give honor to another person in Jesus' name, 
you give honor to Jesus. So for the next couple of minutes, let's do what Christians do. Let's worship God by greeting one another. Okay, if I could have your attention for just a moment. If you'd uh, turn this way for just a second. Thank you so much for what you're doing. I know that sounded like a lot of noise, but I promise you to the Lord God, it sounded like worship and praise. And it can continue as soon as I dismiss you. At this time, though, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the front. We have some ministers and elders and wives in this uh, auditorium, and I'd like you to come down to the front, because if you want to talk to someone more personally, if you want to be prayed over, if you want to talk about accepting Christ, we want to do that with you before uh, you leave today. So they're down here to visit with you and pray with you if that's your need, and we look forward to that opportunity. Remember that you can learn more about our church at the Join the Journey station. Now, before I dismiss you, let me just remind you of something. You're going out as ambassadors for Christ this week. And everywhere you go, you are going to be in the presence of people who feel insignificant. Because the enemy has propagated lies that they've heard all their lives that told them so. And you're an ambassador of truth. And God can use you to break through that lie. And speak worth 
into another human being. So look for that opportunity. You know your mission. You know your job. Do it well. I'll see you next week.